0: Hello, and welcome to the very first ever episode of a brand new podcast called Brighton Rock. It's about the Albion, Brighton and of Albion. Um, It's with me, Russell Guyver, and my cohort here, Peter Marsh. Hello, mate, Peter. Hi, Russ. How are you doing? Good, thanks. you? Excellent. Good, good. Very good. Um, So what what we're going to be doing on this podcast is to have one, perhaps two a week, talking about all things Albion, so previews and reviews. Um, I want to try and get in interviews with people in the course of time, either people in the media, people, other fans of other podcasts or um, or just other fans of other clubs in general, but also to get quite a few Albion fans in, fans who perhaps wouldn't normally get their voice heard, um, one-off interviews perhaps, to get essentially an audio archive of everybody, everyone that's been an Albion fan, new or old, young uh, for, for a long way back or, or fresh to it and just get a whole load of different perspectives on people and what football means to them what the Albion means to them uh, what perhaps growing up in one place or another like yourself you were in uh, London born and bred. I brought was yeah. in London but your dad's an Albion fan isn't he yeah my dad's so, from Brighton yes yeah so so people like yourself people who are just Brightonians born and bred or from elsewhere in Sussex and just to ev- eventually develop an archive of um, should we say, a historical archive of um, fans, views, reflections, recollections, etc. That's the general idea, but mainly to talk about the Albion in general. That's, that's all well and good, and that's what we're planning to do. Um, what we're going to do, as I said, we'll, we'll do one, maybe two a week, um, and we'll see how we go. But before we start with anything else, I've got to talk to you, Peter, about your own Albion-supporting history how did it start? Where and when?
1: So I don't go back to, as far as a lot of people who were listening, maybe to this, but I, um, my first game was in September 1990 after the uh, after the World Cup in Italy. My dad finally thought I think that I could watch a whole game and I can actually rather focus on a football match rather than just being you know kind of there and getting bored or something. So I i having watched like all of all, whole of Italia '90 and been like engrossed by England's like heroics and getting to the penalty shootout and semi-final. I went to Watford away, it my, was my first game, um, and we won 1-0. Oh, Gary yeah. Nelson scored, and I, I was like, convinced after that game that Brighton were going to win every game I ever went <laughs> to. And then um. the next game we lost 3-0 at Oxford, at and then after that it was 4-2 in the Middlesbrough we lost, so I was, I, that didn't last very long after Fantastic.
0: that. Fantastic. The, the hope never lasts long yeah. in the does it? <laughs> it lasted one game, yeah. precisely. I, I, but my I, first game was uh, Middlesbrough, we won 2-1 in the top division, first season of the top division. Um, i can 't remember what happened afterwards i 'm sure we probably did lose two yeah. games in a row, um, but so uh, yeah, we had similar experience in that regard yeah. that 's good so you were, you were born and brought up in london um, dab 's an Albion fan. Um, tell us about that whereabouts and what was it like growing up as an Albion fan in yeah
1: so I, I was uh, born and brought up in north London um, I lived there most of my life until recently actually but so um, I moved to Cheltenham. i 've got now as my local club ah. and I'm there. Um and it was. Quite interesting because obviously there's a lot of Arsenal fans, a lot of Tottenham fans, a lot of Man U fans at the time I was growing up in the 90s when they were glory hunting and some Liverpool fans still left over from their glory hunting days of the 80s and ni- uh, early 90s and then the odd yeah. random fan, West Ham fan, Oxford fan was in, oh. my, in my year at school, Didn't see that Barnet coming. <laughs> fan, quite a few Barnet fans by the time I left school were taking a piss out of me because Barnet were thrashing us. Even so obviously <laughs> things have changed quite a lot now. And I actually still go to quite a lot of Barnet, you know, games at times at Barnet, because I quite like watching local club and yeah, quite like watching non league stuff thing as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and I still want to go to Charlton game now and I'm round the corner so yeah, I to yeah. keep me you know, they've been taken over, I'm quite excited about going to see them as well. Yeah. But obviously Albion are my one true passion as like the kind of and I've obviously been there through it was there at Doncaster and Hereford games and hmm. Yeah, we used to go down and see my grand and watch Albion at the same, you know, on the day and see my grand as well.
0: Yeah, excellent. That's cool. Um, and for me, um, I'm born and bred Sussexian, if that's the right word. <laughs> um, my dad, I think, was from Essex originally, but he moved down to Sussex before I was born. And I was, um, well, apart from a couple of peripheral things for a couple of years, I've effectively been a worthing boy uh, through and through until... My dad remarried, and we were in Brighton for a while um, when we moved in there. Um, so, yeah, Worthing and Patcham was my uh, was the backdrop to my album. What Patcham I C? I didn't know. I'm not sure if there is a Patcham F C, Peter. But we can look it up in the uh, Um but yeah, I mean, so I, I was a different experience to you, uh, a little bit older in terms of age, age groups and, um, you know, uh, timings for when I was watching games. So my Albion supporting history goes back to seventy nine eighty. 80. Uh, technically a glory hunter because I started watching in the top division, um, which doesn't happen often with the Albion. And, uh, you know, just enjoyed the first few years um, growing up, going to games here and there. My dad would take me um, over the course of time um, one of his colleagues and a couple of family friends would take me along to games. He was never really a massive Albion fan. Um, I think your dad is more of an Albion fan through and through. But my dad's always looked out for the results. So It's one of those kind of scenarios. He's, he'll take me along to games, uh, gets excited with the big moments, and that's about it, really. Um, but since um, the turn of the century, this makes me sound old saying stuff like that, um, I've been up in London um, And subsequently, in the course of time, I joined a group called Seagulls Over London, which used to, and for quite a long time, uh, host their meetings bi-monthly in a pub called The Royal Oak, which we happen to be sitting in tonight. In exactly the right room. Exactly (laughs) the right room, yes, yes. So um, this is where I first met you, um, roughly in the mid noughties I think it was. Mm. You've been, I think, a member for a couple of years before me. And um, that was how we know each other. Would you like to explain what Seagulls Over London was um, in the old days? When I walked in, in the mid-noughties, what kind of a place, what kind of a, a group was it?
1: I think it was kind of, I'd say quite niche in the old days. It was, uh, I mean, it's, it's expanded quite a lot over the last few years. It's a quite, we've got quite a big group of us doing it. But it was run by a guy called Paul Welsh who did an amazing job for a long time. Mm. Who was a massive part of Family for all as well, and was yeah, a yeah. a really great, great, really great guy. He did a huge amount of work for the other London as well, and mm. ran it on his own almost for fifteen, twenty, twenty-five years. I think it was almost. Yeah, yeah. And I joined. I went to a. I went to my first meeting, which was a. Uh, a um, tour of a of a brewery, which I can't remember which one it might be, a Fuller's or something like that, or um, about two thousand and three, and I I love coming here after ever since it's basically yeah. a chance to have beer and talk about football,
0: which I love doing both of those. So well, well that sounds superb. You're opening Gambit, that sounds superb as well. <laughs> a brewery tour, you, yeah. you, you know how to start in style, don't you? Fantastic. Brilliant. And yeah, I mean, so the Royal Oak held the meetings from, not from the very beginning, was it? So no, it
1: was in Victoria apparently originally, but I yeah, wasn't there ever yeah. at that point.
0: And then they were, they were here for a number of years. I joined yeah. in, in, I think it was 2005. about six. the last two
1: or three years, yeah. we've um, we started moving around a bit more
0: and we're now at Sir Christopher Hatton in uh, Hatton Garden. Yes, indeed. And, and what's happened effectively with Seagulls of we might as well talk about that a little bit, is Paul unfortunately died a few years ago. Uh, due, he had some ill health for a while and... Uh, you know, it's a sad day for anyone that's been involved in the war years and a very hands-on way to to lose anyone of that ilk. Um, so obviously that was a sad time. But what we needed to do at the time was um, to reinvigorate and change things around. Sorry about the banging, by the way. I have no idea what's going on. It's the room above. There's probably someone there captured upstairs he's being held hostage who knows <laughs> anyway we'll try and plough on through um, so yeah we, we wanted to change things around a little bit and we needed to and we formed a committee and actually just to explain Peter and I are both on that committee so we're part of things going forward um, so
1: any comments you hear about the other one that are not biased in any way yes absolutely
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably mention them a few times in the course of uh, of these podcasts but anyway that's that's our uh, how we've been supporting history um, that's our background and how we know each other moving on then to the first of the main subjects. we wanted to talk about Um, we're not going to do this every week obviously but a season in review um, we're starting this early into 2020 we're starting early into 2020 and we've got um, just over half a season gone uh, the first season under Potter Um, it's been quite an eventful time hasn't it from the summer onwards because we've had Chris Houghton, who's been quite a heroic figure for us for um, roughly a a three and a half to four year period uh, things seem to go rapidly downhill. And uh, we've obviously seen that change of manager, Houghton to Potter during the summer, and we've now had half a season of Potter in charge. Peter, what's your take on, first of all, the Hewton element? Um, what's your take on him as a whole as our manager? And also in terms of the the change, how it was done, when it was done?
1: Cool. Yeah. I've, so I all lay my, my cards on the table early on and say I was a massive fan of Chris I was He came in when we were looking dreadful after the Sam era, mm. and we were looking like we had a fair chance of going down. he It wasn't a great half season, but he kept us up, which is the main aim of the season. Mm. Um, he was given pretty limited cards, I think, to play with, and he, I mean, EG signed mm. on Best, but even then he signed Burum Kayal, who ended up being a brilliant signing for thousand pounds Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, even then he still brought on one of his mm. best signings, I think, in that moment.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He then took us from bottom four or five to the most points ever to not get promoted or whatever from the oh, Championship. yeah. And that gutting afternoon in Middlesbrough. And still, one of my favourite games for Wednesday at home when we were absolutely heroic in, in losing. We yeah. were amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, the, the atmosphere at the ground and the way the team played for 40 minutes before that ridiculous goal where Dunk was clearly shoved by a Wednesday player was yeah, yeah. incredible and we were, we yeah. were brilliant.
0: And, and I'm speaking to, I think it was Paul Camelin and a couple of other people were saying about how the atmosphere was actually painful on the ears of the people in the main stands, yeah. higher. up, it was that loud. I think it was the
1: loudest I've ever heard the Amex. It was yeah. like we, 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 we. I mean, I, I was at Hillsborough on that on the Friday evening before, and it yeah. was dreadful. We were just yeah. so yeah. we we deserved so much from that season, and we mm. fate just basically dealt us that horrendous hand. Yeah, of um, four injuries and oh, it was crazy. It was ridiculous and to come out like that and to, yeah. to be so determined and have... And I think Knock Up being fit somehow was such yeah. a boost to everyone that everyone was like, we can do this now, we could believe in this sort of... Uh... Yeah, how,
0: how did he recover so quickly, yeah. I wonder. I mean, Shades have actually... I, I haven't ever come across that before... And I would say I've never come across it since, but actually Newcastle had the same scenario happen in a recent Premier League game where they yeah. made a and, and, and Bruce said he had never seen reason. it happen before. Yeah. We, were, we were all like, oh, actually, it has yeah.
1: happened before. Yeah.
0: But I, I was at that game at Hillsborough as well. And to, to be fair, the one thing I will say for that was that was an incredible atmosphere yeah. as well. I think, by all accounts, people that were at both in the press areas for both have said... The, our atmosphere was even yeah. more staggering but both of them were absolutely amazing atmospheres and short of the tragic loss of um, promotion right at the death there um, it was otherwise a momentous occasion it was and, I, and
1: actually I think longer term you look at where Middlesbrough are now and look at where we are now yeah. I think it did us good I, I think, think we so. were too early that year yeah. we then obviously looked in the summer Hewton and the team and, and you know, Winstanley etc found the right players they found Murray they found Duffy, who no-one thought central defence was a problem, but actually he improved central defence so much. They brought in Pocagnoli, they brought in Norwood and Sibwell permanently, Sibwell permanently yeah. in Central midfield to provide more options. Yeah. And we were, we were brilliant that season. I know we didn't win the league in the end because we basically just gave up on the last three games and no-one really cared. Yeah, but so we, were, we were exceptional. Some of those games, some of my favourite Albion games, that game at QPR still stuck oh, to memory. Was speaking of and Brilliant, and then, yeah. Well,
0: fantastic. Um, it's funny, actually, I've just made a, a comparison with this season with Newcastle's injuries. Another comparison you could draw between the Albion then and this season's Premier League is with Liverpool. Because you've mentioned about how we were so, so desperately unlucky not to get promoted, albeit it's benefited us yeah. in the long term. Um, but actually, Liverpool, with their title challenge last year, and what they've yeah. subsequently been able to do is, I think, quite a similar comparison. they recovered okay. from... Yeah, I mean, there's a difference in class, of course. <laughs> between but yeah, in the, the lower they,
1: level, it's just, yeah, I get, yeah. yeah. They've, they've, they've
0: used that. It, it, it could either have crushed them or it yeah. could have driven them on. And Well, we've well, we, been
1: the same in the late 70s with the, the not missing out promotion in the last game of the season yeah. and then going up the next season that's as well. It's tr- like that's true, actually. Both times have gone to the big the big league, the big to the top flight, we've basically missed out yeah. on agonisingly the previous season.
0: So we're talking honorary mentions to Tottenham and. Southampton Hampton in yeah. the 70s and Middlesbrough and Sheffield Wednesday yeah. and a certain Mr Mike Dean. I, in I the, detest uh,
1: Middlesbrough for their, <laughs> the way their fans behaved for that game. was disgraceful. If I was to invade, I mean, I don't necessarily, I'm not someone who would probably invade the pitch, but if I was, I wouldn't go over and taunt the opposing fans. I would yeah. go over to my yeah. own fans, players and fans and celebrate. Yeah. I would not be taunting opposition nah. teams. And I thought the way they behaved that day was, and they're now one of the clubs I really dislike. Yeah. There's yeah. a few, Burnley, or another one up north, who are after not yeah. partly that season but also mainly their, yeah, their behaviour towards in, black guy and bong I really dislike in, in
0: general I mean a couple of points on that I mean first of all I am the kind of person that probably would invade the pish uh, as long as I could see it was safe to do so in numbers oh, yeah, uh, I'm a coward like that mm. uh, but also uh, the fact that um, I certainly wouldn't be going over and taunting fans yeah. so I agree with you on that one um, Yeah, most
1: football fans I respect on the general you know the away fans especially kind of like the ones yeah. who travel the country yeah. to watch their team yeah. I have no, no issue with I would never go and taunt no, opposing fans yeah. I'd just be so happy that we've gone up, I would yeah. not even occur for I mean, me to yeah. go and I mean, it's, it's a, abuse other teams. It's
0: a massive moment getting promoted to the Premier League, yeah. even if you've been there before, as Barr yeah. had, to, to be as classless as that, to, to go over and just yeah. you know, first thinking about talking really I'm really
1: sad they've moved away from the legation zone, to be honest, at the moment. They, <laughs> they are struggling, as you said, but they're, they're, they're doing yeah. better than they were, which yeah. is sad. I, I really hope they get into League One.
0: <laughs> the only other team that fits that bill is Luton as well, who did the same in that Johnson oh, God, yeah. thingy, whatever. Um, in that, uh, that was Southern a horrible night. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? But, the um, night Mickey,
1: Mickey Adams got
0: sacked yeah that 's right uh, happy days eh Ugh, not but anyway i'm um, sorry i 've just done a law there. I do apologize, I hate saying but that. As a, pretty... as,
1: a gener- as a general Hewton <laughs> feeling, I was like very very pro him i 'd say, and he, he took us up obviously brilliantly hmm. the first season we weren 't you know we were, we were quite stodgy at times we were quite we hmm. dug in, yeah. but I thought we, you know we did pretty well, and the first half season, second season. We we weren't brilliant, but we won games where maybe we shouldn't have done. So West Ham at home, Newcastle away, Wolves at home in a row, we all won one nil, and we probably didn't deserve to win any of those, but we did mm-hmm. win them. And this time last year, if you told me that he would be sacked, mm-hmm. I'd have been quite a, quite surprised. Yeah, yeah. I... Um, but I think given the end of last season, given the way we finished last season, second half, I was not surprised and, it, and I think the fact that I'm not one to advocate sacking manager I was until the last couple of games pretty anti-sacking Hoopier I thought he'd probably hopefully, hopefully yeah. turn around I don't I'm not someone who necessarily thinks sacking manager will literally long term benefit you hmm. but I did think that yeah. Houston the risk had become higher in not sacking him than yeah. sacking him and I think we probably would have much worse off now if we stuck hmm. by him than if we than by bringing in Potter
0: yeah because I, 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 I'm of agreement with you on this one. I I think it was a slow, well, not slow, actually fairly rapid regression, but it was going to be a continued regression. I couldn't see personally, in all honesty, a complete radical change around it. He'd lost the squad and he'd lost
1: the ability to turn things around as well at all.
0: And I think that can happen to anybody. It's any manager, no matter how good they are. You've seen it with Mourinho, even to a degree. And that
1: shouldn't also turn around what he did
0: because a lot of the time I see on Mm. things like
1: North Stand Chat and Mm. the Argus, people... You can't, in order to like back someone, you have to slag someone off. And actually, no, hmm. you can be pro Potter and think he's done a great job so far, and looks I and mean, he's turned the team around. But still, appreciate what Hutton did and what he's done, yeah. and what he, you know, how he turned. I mean, from my point of view, when I started watching Albion were in the, the second division, but they then yeah. dropped to the point where they almost out of the Premier, all yeah. out, out of the Football League, yeah. and you know, the idea of being in the Premier League was ridiculous. And he, while others had got close, Poyet obviously got close, Garcia got close he was the one who finally did it. And yeah. no one should... And also kept up for two seasons. Yeah, no one should yeah. take that away from him. Yeah. Just because, you know, you kind of like feel that... You want to defend Potter. I think Potter's done a great job so far. Mm. But I still can think that Putin did a really good job for all but that last six months.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you on that one. I think um, certainly he did a brilliant job in sorting out the problem in the Championship, getting us into the Premier League, keeping us in the Premier League. It wasn't exciting football, admittedly, but it was... I think what people... Sort of expected we'd have to do mm. to survive. I think people were quite For 18 patient. months it was very effective. Yeah, and I think it was appreciated and it was accepted for those 18 months because we realised we've got to do what we've got to do. And it's a long-term project to steer things around, build things up. What's transpired is that it's gone downhill where it could have carried on going and slowly built into something else. Because it's gone downhill, I felt we had to make the change. I think we made it at the right time. Mm. And I think we've certainly appointed the right man for the job um the elements of quality i know it's the hated phase phrase it's a bit of a um, bit of a cliche you're going to cringe as i say it potable as it's been described um potter's basically um he's, he's been doing he's been doing about the same as um as hewton in terms of points roughly speaking but i think we're going to see a change in dynamic in how things go from there but we'll talk about that more um and we wanna talk more about how things are going this season. So, here we go. So yeah, so we had a little bit of a brief pause there. Nothing to do with um, supplementing our beer intake here at all, Peter, is it? Nothing at all. I'm having a Christmas ale. It's, um, you know, it's into January now, but I like to cling to things like that. Just one more, why not? Anyway, uh, going back to um, the Hewton and Potter things. So we, we, we moved into um, Potter territory and um, we had the dreaded potable uh, cliché came into, equa- into the equation. Um, obviously, we've been, we've been getting roughly the same number of points. I think we both agree that we're likely to get more points in the second half of the season, so that's nothing particularly to worry about as things stand. Uh, I think you'd probably agree with that, would you? Yep, probably, yeah, I agree, yeah. But in terms of the um, style of play, obviously that's where the bonus is. We've been playing better football, haven't we? And I think the fans in general, and us in particular as well, have been happy with that. Would you agree? I, yeah, I don't think... I think there's a... There's an, it's sort of an argument a
1: little bit that Potter's football philosophy is a bit ahead of the team a little bit. Hmm. I think it's... Um, the the squad is maybe not got quite the... There's a lacking a focal point sometimes. Mopey, I think, has done pretty well considering he's just come in, but he's not a... Potter apparently tends to play with a target man hmm. and with players off him and maybe Mopey might be better off playing off a target man. Um, hmm. That might help. Obviously, Murray is not worked out impossible he's not like kind of featured and I can understand at his age maybe he needs more regular football he's not quite got the football he needs hmm. um, I think there's certain players who benefited massively from him Davy Proper I would say has been like a huge bonus in terms of hmm. he he's shown on a number of occasions what he can do that he couldn't do maybe under houghton that he was a bit hmm. more defensive um, Aramoy I think has really come into his own recently and has been superb in that system yeah. um, Uh, Trossard I think When let free When let loose Actually can be brilliant Although he's He's had quiet games But he's also shown Why we've paid Hmm. The money we've paid for him yeah. Um, Montoya as well actually has got forward an awful lot more and has got border you know, boxed. And there's still ones who I think will, and despite his performance the weekend, Basuma I think will benefit a lot more from Potter. Um, Bernardo I think once he's got, yeah. when he's fully fit and now that Burns out for a while I think will will benefit hugely. Jahanbakhsh maybe even given his recent uh, yeah,
0: turn around. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that again yeah. at some point. So Burns to Bernie, you think that's going to be the transition? I think inevitably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think
1: it worked. It worked pretty well against Chelsea. I think I think we looked a lot better with um, hmm. Bernardo. Dan Byrne has been brilliant. I mean, considering he's playing like three million from Wigan, yeah. and I think both people thought he could be reserved. He's done superbly this season, yeah, but I'm- he's not a left back. No, he's six foot seven. He's a centre half. He's not a left back. He's done pretty well. I think yeah. he's actually not that bad as a win back. he's so got that more cover, but as a left back,
0: well, I've, I've been, just a bit. I've, I think it's extraordinary because I remember seeing him at Fulham, and he was obviously this lanky. Yeah. Is is he that convincing type of centre back? And you wonder if he was going to make his name as a centre back at a good enough level. And now here he is coming into the Albion in the Premier League in a, with a new manager in place and he's made his name as you said not as the center back but as mainly as the as the left back which has been been a, just uh, something that i don't think anybody predicted all the players offside all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah the guy who's had is it two or three, three goals three i think no three well, not, goals not, not goals
1: but yeah he's been he's been the reason that three goals have yeah, been yeah, he's like ruled out or whatever has not he
0: yeah and the and the recent game where um, obviously uh, we had two new scorers uh, in one match
1: and would have had him if it wasn't for Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which was the Bournemouth game, wasn't it? But, yeah. uh, but there we go. Um. Anyway, in terms of Potter, obviously, I think we're we're all pretty thrilled that we're playing a more dynamic type of football. It's more flexible. There's there's more changes of formation and squad, and getting players to to work out of position rather better than we thought they might do. All of that's great. Uh, in game changes as well has been pretty good, but all of that's fantastic. But the issue that's been um, hanging around until certainly until recently, is this performances versus results ratio? Um, a lot of people are saying we're playing well, everyone's happy with that, but we're not getting the results that our performances deserve. I think it's certainly true to say that was the case. I yeah, I agree with that completely. It's changed a little bit. Do you do you see that continuing to change?
1: I. I think there was still one or two players short of it. Really, changing regularly, mm. I'm inclined to say a strike would make a huge difference. But I don't necessarily think it's been we've been missing sitters. It's not been that we've been mm. having creating glorious chances of missing them. Yeah. The issue more for me has been a lot more the final ball. Yeah, and I think we discussed it elsewhere as well. Is like a lot of the time it's the, the final pass, the final, you know, the kind of final through ball or the final cross or the positioned to cross rather than shoot or pass rather than shoot. It's not necessarily mm. it, the build up isn't necessarily the problem. It's the the you know, yeah. know, it's, it's just the final ball into the box. We've missed, you know, and I think a, a better striker than Mopey, for example, may have taken that chance against Chelsea. Hmm. Would have put it out of the keeper's sight. But it was harsh to say that to him. So he, he hit it on target. A lot of strikers over the to have put that over the bar. So, yeah. 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 I, I think it's harsh to Mopey to say that. But I think possibly they'll make a bit of a difference. But I think the big difference will be one or two, maybe more Trossard and Moy playing together and that sort of thing. Maybe one, maybe Jahanbach coming in, maybe finding one player. You know, I know you're a big fan of Jarrah Bowen, for example. Oh, yes. Yeah. So maybe someone like him coming in or, you know, would be a, a, big, a big difference. Yeah. But someone who can actually put that final ball onto a, if we have a new striker onto yeah. their head or onto Mopey's head or whatever, yeah. think, could be a real, the real boost.
0: Absolutely. I, I think you mentioned Jared Bowen there. It's obviously a whole city player. Um, we're apparently interested in him. I don't know if it goes any further than that. The irony of it is, Jahan Bach coming into the equation and suddenly becoming this, this fantastic story of, mm. uh, well, footballing rags to riches in terms of his performances, at least. Um, I wonder if we need him now. Who knows? Yeah, I don't see that happening <laughs> this
1: window. I think <laughs> no, if we get yeah. anyone, it'll be a striker or possibly a right-back because so yeah, they need some yeah. competition I think at the moment... The, the big issue they'll they'll try and like, sort out to strike especially if Murray is going yeah as, yeah as as, a, as seems to be the, the system yeah. but the I would say that we really need to maybe the next yeah next window and a lot depends on Iskiedo as well if somehow they manage to get Iskiedo back to fitness yeah. he could be that man who yeah. not defenses I mean that second half of the first season of Premier League he was our best player yeah he was one of the key reasons we stayed up because he was so you know, he, he he made things happen. He scored yeah. sort of, a couple of really good goals. He, well, that goal he against, set up goals. Was it
0: West Ham the goal in the top corner? Yeah, but also the goal the against Stoke goal.
1: as well, where he, which I think actually was better. I prefer that sort of goal. This, just the interchange between him and let me you shake was, your
0: hand, sir. I agree mm-hmm. with you. That was a better goal. People will look for the, the spectacular. The, the, the West Ham was
1: a bit of a, spe- a bit of a freak. Kind of, whereas the Stoke one was really well worked in between him and Stevens and him goal. and yeah. March. I think it was afterwards. That's right. And yeah. just really kind of like cut into the area, and the defense had no chance. and I would say that is a, a goal almost more that shows a better player yeah, than yeah. a freak. Yeah. I mean, like in a way, like Bach scored against Chelsea, I would say yeah. his goal against Bournemouth almost more showed his, showed the quality because it was almost better taken. The, the overhead kick was a freak, and again, he tried it the weekend and it didn't go mm. in. And actually, my worry is he'll try that more often because he, he tried it the weekend and took it off Shane Duffy's head
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
1: when he shouldn't have done. Yeah,
0: so. in, a, in a way, I know what you mean about the better goal, because, I mean, obviously it's a fantastic, spectacular goal. Yeah. And it always Chelsea, wins gold but... a
1: month. They always, both oh, yeah. sort of goals look win gold a month, but actually, mm. personally, I prefer the, the interchange, the passing, yeah. and then a, a good finish, but not like a not mm. like an amazing finish, yeah. but a nice yeah. finish.
0: And I mean, I'm, I've never played the game to a, to a spectacular level. No, no, uh, <laughs> but I suspect that with an overhead kick, there's an element of, luck involved in it. You're shaping yourself up to make the sort of connection you want. But where it goes exactly is a little bit random up to a point. Yeah, you and can hit that
1: really well. It hit the post and it comes yeah, out and no yeah. one really comments on it. But
0: with, with the Bournemouth goal, yeah, it was placed. It was very deliberate. It went exactly where he wanted it to go. It, it was a case of hit it early, get lots of pace on it. It wasn't that far away from the goalie, but it... The goal he had no chance. And to have that
1: confidence to do that three minutes into a game where he barely played the seat yeah. all season yeah, and he had one rather unspectacular uh, appearance against Wolves when yeah. he came come on so and done absolutely nothing. It's a fantastic... Chose the, uh, shows the work. I yeah. think Potter, his, his biggest work could yet be Johan Bach Mm. He's done quite a lot with a number of players, but to yeah. if he can turn him into a first-team regular from the position he was in, yeah. then, frankly, he's done an amazing job there.
0: Well, that was one of the points I was going to talk about, was how he's developed certain players, and we'll get to that in more detail later, but I think your point is valid. I think Bach could, could indeed become his greatest project, shall we call yeah. it. Um, spectacular though it is, um, that, those are great goals, but... Um, I think,
1: and actually against Bournemouth, my the, the more points I got from Batch wasn't his overhead kick, but the one afterwards when he played, they played in Mopey with yeah. a cross, yeah. and he looked up and he didn't just like cross it. He looked up and saw Mopey have pull back, yeah. and and played it perfectly to him. And actually, it was you know, it's harsh to say Mopey should have done better, but it, he might have done better actually with it. It's, it's not a, you know, it was a decent chance. He, didn't, he took it well. He didn't, he hit it low, which is like one of the key things. He didn't blast it over the bar. Yeah. But he did leave it slightly near the keeper. Yeah. But Jahan Batch, I think, set up three chances, I think, in the, in the 20 minutes he was on,
0: mm. 25 yeah.
1: minutes he was on. Yeah. Which says it all, you know, considering he came on against Chelsea with a 1-0 down.
0: Absolutely. Um, the next subject I wanted to talk about, and it sort of ties in a little bit what you've just been talking about there, is how we think that the new signings and the young well, should we call them academy graduates? I know some of them were signed quite close to the uh, time they made their debuts in the senior team. But the new signings, the new younger players coming through, how they've done in the team um, so far this season. Well, if I can start with Morpe, because I think that's the hot subject. He was a player that, and we're talking about the cutting edge up front and if that's the weak ingredient, I think a lot depends on how well that striker does. And I think he has taken time to find his feet in the Premier League, which is in no way a surprise, and it's completely understandable. I think there was a period around about the time of the Everton home game, and I think a little bit before that and after it, but I just remember the Everton game in particular, where the um, the shots-to-success ratio wasn't good. He was getting in the right positions. He's clearly his movement's good, his hold-up play, some of the link-up plays, good. But he wasn't taking his chances. That element... Hasn't, as you've said earlier, been the big issue, but it has been an issue. And I think, obviously, since then, he's gone on and he's had a period of scoring consecutive goals and being very well involved with what's going on now. What's your take on Morphe, Morps, as we might call him, so far? I think
1: he's done as well as you can expect coming from Champions Valley, probably. I mean, there's still games, I think Bournemouth had about four or five Mm. shots in the first half, Mm. all from outside the area, all miles over, and he, he sometimes still has a head down a little bit too much. Hmm. And he's not the quickest I mean Connolly for example Is a lot quicker than him Hmm. Um, But I think he holds The ball up well For a a bloke He's not that big He's not like He's not six foot He holds the ball up Pretty well He's pretty strong And he He has an eye for goal I mean mean, his goals Have been quite different As well I mean the Arsenal goal Followed by the Wolves goal Followed by the Palace goal Were all quite different You know They're all quite Different goals And I I think generally Considering what some teams play for their strikers, like forty million Newcastle play for Joe Linton, forty million West Ham pay for Haller. I think mm. at sixteen, seventeen millions it seems to be. Yeah, yeah. He's been pretty good value. I don't think you can question it. I think he's, mm. you know, he players. It's a big gap between Championship and the Premier League. He obviously was a top scorer in the Championship for a couple of seasons. Played really well there generally. I think he's he's done as well as he can be expected. I don't. think There's any yeah, sort of yeah. any sort of question mark there. Yeah. I I don't think he's been in any way a waste of money. He's He's busy, which yeah. is what you can ask for a striker, really. He hassles defenders. Yeah. He forces mistakes from defenders.
0: Yeah, I think, I think being a pain in the ass as a striker yeah. is a big... Is a big asset. Oh, yeah. You look you at Murray. I
1: mean, I know he's yeah. obviously a different sort of striker. Yeah. But, I mean, one of his big things is, even mm. if he's not doing stuff, yeah. in terms of not getting chances, he'll hassle defenders. And, yeah. and Mopé does it as well, but yeah. just in a different way.
0: And you can say it with, with with players in all, all sorts of other clubs. I mean, Troyori, I know he plays in a wider role. But, again, he's a pain in the arse. Yeah. Whatever he does, he's doing it at pace. He's causing problems. He's, he's unsettling defences. And, yeah. and I think Mopé does that. I think, um, I'm not sure he's got the pace to ever kind of move up from... Yeah,
1: further up Premier League, from maybe yeah. mid-table, that will. Yeah. If we're to move up to like top half, I'm not sure he'll be first yeah. choice. Without no. one to kind of prejudge like that, that sort of thing. Yeah, but I think he'll be a useful option from the bench if we do. Yeah, and and I, th- I don't think he will ever, you know, kind of trouble the top six because he's not. He's not quick enough. Whereas Connolly, for example, although yeah. he's not necessarily the strongest, has got the pace to be potentially top six. Yeah. I, th- I think Malpay doesn't.
0: No, I think he's sort of in the nicest possible sense of the word. He's a jobbing. Premier League striker yeah. in the making there I think it, yeah it does take time which I mean is a lot better than most people so absolutely yeah. it's not a criticism in any and, way and it does take time to transition yeah. from the Championship to the but Premier League he's already League. 24 20, 24 I think yeah, yeah so gonna, he's, yeah.
1: he's he's probably not going to move up much from Albion no,
0: which might suit Albion to yeah. be honest because we might be able to hang on to him and he might yeah. be a, and he, he might even be happy
1: as being backup if we get someone yeah. I mean, moving up to mid table and he gets to be you know the option
0: quite possibly but I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I
1: I genuinely, from what I've seen of him, I've been impressed yeah. as a whole.
0: He, he's also know. a real wind-up merchant, isn't he, from what we're yeah. hearing. I mean, I've, I've, from stuff I've read in the Championship, you know, celebrating uh, quite extensively in front of the Leeds yeah. fans when he scored a goal up there for he's Brentford. He's very brave. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it this season ourselves. Palace, we had yeah. Yeah, Palace, the first instance of, uh, as the, as they say, a brilliant hours, finish. Yeah, oh, like, it, was, uh, it was a good finish, but... Uh, But the celebration was as enjoyable as it got. (laughs) But um, overall, though, uh, I think he's been good. Trossard, I mean, that's a player I was very excited with. I didn't know a great deal about him. What I read about him and saw about him, he seemed good. What I saw of him in the early stages was exciting, maybe a bit raw, maybe a bit of transitional uh, issue to deal with in terms of getting into the Prem. Same with anybody that comes into the Prem for the first time. And that is our business, isn't it? Getting players of that ilk. Due to, the, due to the monetary involvement. Um, but Trossard, I think, seen a lot of exciting signs. How do you think he's done so far? Mixed bag, isn't it? Uh,
1: yeah, I'd say, in a way, his best time has been off the bench.
0: Hmm.
1: At Everton Norwich games, for example, he was superb off the bench and did made such a difference um, and won both of those games for us, probably, to be honest. Yeah. Um, along with Var against Everton, allegedly, although I still think it was a penalty. Hmm. But. Um, I would say, on the other hand, sometimes when he starts, he, especially against the bigger sides, he drifts out of games and he's a bit of a luxury. Mm. Without want to be harsh, he's against. Arsenal, he didn't start, I don't think, and he came on and made a difference. But mm. he, he of, I think, he was involved in the goal almost immediately coming on from memory. Yeah. But against, like, kind of United away, he was a, a huge luxury and yeah. didn't really. And Leicester at home as well, he didn't really impact the game and you're left almost with 10 players then, because he doesn't really... He's not somebody who's going to work hard. Malpey and Connolly, for example, will work hard and get back, and Trossard isn't really that sort of player. He's not... Hmm. hes a, In games against the Big Six, he's a luxury sort of player. But against the the teams around us, he will be the one who opens yeah. up, you know. And for all the fuss about Moyes' goal against Bournemouth, it was a ridiculous cross from Trossard yeah. that first set it up for him. Yeah, brilliant finish, strong. don't get me wrong. Brilliant control, brilliant finish. Yeah. But it was, a contru- you know, yeah. from the outside of his boot, into the box. I mean, most of our players don't even consider doing that. Yeah. The only other one I can think of who would is proper. Yeah. Who did it against, I think, Man U away last year to Gross. That's right, And And yeah. uh, did exactly That's the right. same thing. Yeah. I don't think any of our other players will consider even trying that, let alone it yeah. getting anywhere near our player. Yeah,
0: and he did some brilliant footwork in another recent game of the Amex. I can't remember what it was, where it was a lot of um, twinkle-toed activity followed by crossing. Yeah. Was, that the, um, was that the Everton game? Possibly, uh, yeah. Might have, been, might have been later than that. I can't remember
1: which match. But he, he, but he strikes with a bit of a higher level knockout yeah. in the sense that he's a bit of a luxury, yeah. even when he's doing well. But he, mm. he, he will change games for you, and he will,
0: yeah. you know,
1: yeah. at times when you're like, you know, you're struggling, he'll be the one who maybe will be the one who will make that moment yeah. that you can't quite break a team down, and he will be the one who plays the ball through to someone. And then whether or you've got the player to then take the chance
0: yeah,
1: is, is not necessarily guaranteed. Problem. But he is the one who will do that ball or that through ball. And given what we spent on some of the other attacking players, I think Trossard's worth the admission fee on his own sometimes. You know, he's a he's a brilliant player. Yeah, he's
0: definitely a player that looks like he might get people yeah. out of the seat. You can
1: see why they why paid the money they did for him. Yeah. Unlike, say, Johan for the first year and a half, or Lacardia a full stop or something like that, you can genuinely see why, why mm. Trussard, they were They Trossard. His debut, I think, he didn't feature at Watford, he's, he scored a brilliant goal that was then harshly at for Bryan being offside. He yeah, had one block by the keeper. He didn't score. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's, something's going to happen when he's, he's around. He's involved, isn't he? People yeah. get excited But he just isn't, he isn't the sort of player who's going to you know, know, back yeah. you up and defend yeah, and dig in. I so mean, when in games where you're under the cost, he's a bit of a luxury at times.
0: I think he's also a little bit... There are similarities, I'm not saying in terms of overall world-class appeal, but uh, similarities with Eden Hazard in terms of his demeanour, his positions on the pitch, his style of play. Yeah, i agree with that. Yeah. The kind of thing he brings to the team albeit on a, should we say, a, a scaled-down version. Um, I, I like him. I think he's great. I'm looking forward to seeing what else he can provide over the course of Yeah, time. and I think
1: exactly if he gets adapts more, and yeah. he'll become a, more, yeah. a bigger player for us. I, I think he'll definitely but next season. I mean, mean considering like... his quality, he's not started enough games. So, and I know he had a couple of injuries, but even given that, he should be starting every game yeah. that he's fit. Yeah but he's not been. And yeah. there's a reason behind that because he's not necessarily finished article yeah. and he doesn't work hard enough. And I think possible will probably yeah. get him working harder yeah. as well. And, and I think longer term, he should be starting every game. And the quality he's got, we shouldn't be, he shouldn't be on the bench ever.
0: No, that's right. And, and of course, the Premier League is, is a demanding league. So in terms of fitness levels, it is a bit of a shock. Oh, if like, over Christmas,
1: maybe, you can understand. if you don't. Yeah, yeah. But it, he should be starting two games over Christmas Day. And every game, when we are playing once a week, generally, hmm. he should be starting every game because he has that quality. Yeah. But there's reasons he doesn't. And that's probably the reasons that we signed him, rather than him going to Arsenal or Tottenham or something.
0: Yeah, we're going to get those kind of signings, aren't we? Yeah. People have got a lot of the attributes that a top six club would, would, would sign a player for the reasons of. Um, but bits are missing but we'll
1: get more of those as well as as Potter kind of comes in because I mean from what I've heard things like players like Brooks who's at Bournemouth obviously now and is injured we were interested in last summer but why would he sign when Hewton was in charge Mm. but actually now with with Potter there I I think players like that will will sign
0: oh I think absolutely I I think you do look at there's a number of things you look at if you're a player as to who, why you're going to sign for a club. Obviously, geography could play a part, family, settle, that sort of thing, money, of course. Um, the type of football people play, the type of facilities they've got, the general vibe that you get from the people you speak to, whether it be a chief exec or a, a director of football. And that was something
1: that like Gus Poyet apparently was always very good at. Yeah, yeah. He sold players. I mean, and yeah. Mikhail Smith signed for us yeah. over other teams because apparently, of yeah. whether or not you believe that he did a good job for us and was worth the money. Yeah. He signed for us over, apparently, Leicester and West Ham yeah. because of Poyet.
0: Mm. And, and I think to a degree, certainly, that would be the case with, with Potter. You don't have the star appeal of Poyet. Poet's a more famous name. But Potter is already establishing a certain level of kudos in terms of his managerial co- or coaching credentials, and I think hope
1: this summer might if we stay up. Yeah, which I'm hope I'm assuming we will at the moment. I think we'll be I think we'll be okay personally, but I don't want to. Yeah. Obviously, you can't obviously yeah. assume that Premier League very easily. No. Um, I'd say that this summer will start to bear fruit on that. Yeah. that Potter would have had a year in charge, and people will look at it and go, like, actually, you know, I can make a real difference here going forward mm. or whatever. Or, yeah,
0: and I think people would. All in all, most people would rather play a better brand of football, even jobbing players who were. Uh, Maybe. Well, especially
1: the players going for attacking players which we've struggled to like, recruit as well. Yeah. I mean, defensively, we've never had any issues. I mean, we've got, like, mm. if, if if players leave the home, we've got, like, various players on loan who are quality, yeah. who will come in, potentially. Yeah. It's, the, it's the, the attacking players we've struggled. Even in, even in the Championship until Murray came along, we struggled for a, a really, really quality forward. I mean, Hamed did a good job, but he was... He mm. missed a lot of good chances as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, um... Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how it goes on that score. But, um... Just quickly moving on. Actually, I was going to say Gordon Greer as well as another player who's a very much traditional centre back, but even he embraced playing the poet style of he football. He did, yeah, yeah. So it can be you can transition all sorts of players into um, uh, this. But then you look style. at Duffy;
1: hasn't really.
0: Yeah, he's not really he's, got that
1: sort of. He's here normally. I mean, and, he's. I mean, he's been brilliant for us again, but I think probably he's. Yeah, uh, looking at the way out longer term because oh. of, he isn't going to be a, ever going to be a and I think he'll get, we'll get quite a lot of money for him and he'll be quite a big signing yeah. for someone else yeah he's a good profile you know, yeah. either a you know our player of the season last year deservedly completely you know there's no question about who should get mm. it I mean he scored five goals and was part of you know, a yeah. brilliant defensive duo That's brilliant. but he just doesn't seem to have yeah he can't he's not a player who naturally will play the passing mm. game
0: yeah um, we'll, we'll talk more about the current squad in a minute, but just, just briefly on the subject of new signings, we've mentioned Morpay, we we've mentioned uh, Trossard, we've touched on Byrne already, so I think we've, we've covered that one. In terms of the other new signings, anything more to say there? I mean, Webster's the obvious next Yeah, one.
1: Webster's the obvious. He's... Started well, didn't he? He looks... Still, I thought he's done OK generally anyway. He did OK at the weekend. He's had made a couple of high-profile errors against Sheffield United, and one or two before that. And people have I think people don 't really get the difference in the way between Possible and um, Houghton in the sense that as much as I you know I like Duffy and he did a really good job. we played a very much deeper game with him mm. with the the system we play now that we don 't duffy 's lack of pace would be a major issue, mm. and it 's not just a passing thing Webster is quicker than Duffy as well, and it may be that Webster comes in. Um, White comes back next season For example from Leeds And does and overtakes Webster um, yeah. But as it stands Duffy is not Able to play potable. I don't think He's not a player So people will prey on him Even when we were playing Under Houghton, They did So Dunk would pass to him And they'd, t- they'd close Dunk down But they wouldn't close Duffy down Because they know He'd give the ball away hmm. yeah. And it's Or give it a good chance He'd give the ball away yeah. And they'd stay with Dunk Almost in a way So he I think Webster's got a lot of criticism. He's got a lot of slightly harsh criticism and his confidence has dropped a bit. That just trying to game was pretty horrific for him. Yeah. But it was in a way then Duffy made mistakes against Bournemouth. You know, he came he made mistakes twice against Bournemouth one, he let play around the came uh, King was it, round the back, when uh, Ryan had made a really good save. And then he he tried to be clever and like kind of shield the ball and got beaten by who have someone else on the wing, and neither of those were mentioned, it's funny enough, like on the North Stand mm-hmm. chat, or on the Argus, that sort of thing, from what I could see, they weren't mentioned much, whereas if Webster had done those two, yeah. it would have been all over the kind of, and it's like, certain players tend to get a lot of criticism, which is, I yeah. mean, to a degree, he's not been brilliant recently, but, Duffy made those mistakes and people won't comment on them because yeah. he's seen as a darling of the yeah. certain people I, and think,
0: I think the Albion I mean it's probably the same with most clubs but the Albion certainly from experience uh, over a number of years same as you we do like a boo, uh, a yeah. boo boy scenario don't we there's always been a, a scapegoat whether it be an Ashley Barnes or a Dale Stevens or whoever it was somehow, very quickly, we we get on to people, don't we? Which is a bit of a shame. And
1: it's it's, it's a shame because we're at one of the best stages of our history. We shouldn't have any blue boys. Yeah, And, I mean, while it was frustrating at the weekend, and probably on... I went away from that game thinking we were... We didn't really put the effort in. I think we probably did put the effort in. We just didn't really work. This is the Wednesday Cup game. Yeah, the Cup game. We were a lot of criticism of certain players, which is very harsh. And uh, Dale Stevens and uh, Guyton Bong... Hmm. Dale Stevens, I thought... Had a pretty really poor game, but he's been actually generally pretty good this season as a whole. I think. Yeah, he's only. And, and Bong, recently, hasn't for it? all that's been said and done, was a free transfer from Wigan four years ago, four and a half years ago, and has been brilliant in that sense. I mean, he was key part of our promotion campaign. And he, he was a key part of keeping it up the first season, and, a, and to a degree, keeping it up last season as well. Mm. So to, to, for the abuse that those players get yeah. at that point is harsh. and it's like, I don't.
0: I think, I think people can... Un- especially
1: un- when Bong went off, I thought it was really unfair. Yeah. Like.
0: It's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you feel for the player from the human sense. It's, just, it's not, not pleasant, obviously. It's not nice. They're decent guys. They're probably nice. They're probably professional. But you can also see the, the fan point of view of seeing this is a guy who's passed his sell-by date in terms of what we're doing and where we're going. So you can sort of see where that yeah, comes but, from. Yeah, I mean, but in a but way, that's, still, not, that's not the player's that's not fault, the that's, the fault. Yeah. That's, that's the manager's fault. That's the manager's fault we're true, playing, true, I mean, true, in fair. True.
1: And yeah. I, I don't think that... I think that Bong probably shouldn't play again. He yeah. probably... But well, probably, I think the way it was expressed was probably yeah. a, when he got substituted was really unfair. I think and,
0: given that we're now out of both Cups, um, I think he probably has played his last game along with... possibly Bernardo gets an injury, that's yeah. the one. Balogun may be another one. Chalasso uh, possibly as well. Yeah, possibly so. Um, I'd like to talk about Stevens a bit more in a minute, but just briefly on the new signings. Sorry, I keep drifting off. No, that's you. fine. Digress away, Peter. I don't mind. <laughs> um, one, one more person on the new signings front I really wanted to talk about was Aaron Moy. Um, obviously, he's only on loan. Uh, we have the option to buy him in January, which is the transfer window we've now just entered. Um, he's started a bit slowly, given that he does already know the Premier League from his Huddersfield days, but he's come on in leaps and bounds as he's settled into it. Hasn't
1: Tottenham, he? I thought, was his big turning point. Like, he went from being yeah. periphery, I thought, not really doing anything for the. Not, he didn't have a lot of time, to be fair, on the pitch before that, but yeah. he didn't really do anything at that point. Yeah. And then Tottenham, he was. I thought man the, I know Connolly got man the match because he got two goals and you can't really argue with that. I thought Moy was man the match that day. Yeah, I, I agree with and that. And for the thing. half hour he was on at Villa where I thought he yeah. was very harshly sent off. Yeah. Um, the first booking was ludicrous. But you yeah. can the players kick the ball away all the time, yeah. a lot worse than him. And it wasn't even a foul by him.
0: Yeah, you were at the game, I wasn't. I, so we got a really annoying camera angle. You couldn't really yeah. see where the ball had gone. I mean, it
1: wasn't our side, but he, it was a clear foul on Connolly in a build-up. Yeah. Moy then allegedly fouled their guy. If it was, it wasn't much of a foul. Mm. And then he just tapped the ball away and it went to the Villa dugout and they kept it kind off a fuss. Yeah. And I mean, there's no question that he shouldn't have dived in. It, it was limited contact for the second booking, but he probably yeah. did trip him. It yeah. was a booking. But the first booking I thought was, was ridiculous. Yeah. And you see players get away with all sorts of things like that from other referees. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. It's and it's literally just because it's right by the Villa dugout and they kicked up a fuss. Yeah. And that actually could still cost us because we were absolutely hammering at that point. Yeah, you never know. They, they were, I mean, Villa were probably the worst side after our senior yeah. season.
0: And we, we were playing fantastically. I wasn't at the game, I was watching on a stream. and um, but, I, but I have to admit, yeah, Moy was outstanding. At and the even game.
1: then, we, even with 10 men, we were yeah. a better team, I thought, and we yeah. had chances to win it. And then to concede so late on was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Well. Um,
0: and whatever, whatever your opinions at the sending off, even if you disagree with Peter and you think, he should have been sent off. Uh, nonetheless, he was dominating the game until then. Yeah. So he's he's been a good addition. And then
1: um, yeah, since then he came back and obviously took a little bit of time to come back yeah. in. They didn't bring him back immediately, yeah. and, uh, which I think, to be fair, poor Potter is a laudable because yeah. you know you kind of can kind of understand why they don't kind of like just say, "Well, you're straight back in after a city challenge like yeah, that." Yeah. But he's been brilliant since coming yeah. back. He's been one of our probably our best player over the last two months. Oh, I, I think. He, I think so. I think I th- I, if we don't tell him in January, I think we're mad. Because yeah. I think we should get him in permanently. Yeah. I think possible. we do. I mean, we've
0: got the option to get him, we've got an exclusive option to get him in January, as I understand it. And if he's, if it comes to the summer, it's just a, an open bidding session. If we don't sign t- him in January, then
1: frankly, we're mad. Yeah, it's, exactly. It would be insane, wouldn't it? He's been uh, yeah, our best yeah. player for I, I mean, don't, in fact, I wouldn't even say arguably. I think most Albion fans would say that Moy has been our best player for the last two months. Yeah,
0: yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, there might be an argument to say possibly we don't sign him because. He likes it here, he's likely to sign. But then he
1: could sign somewhere else and somewhere else. So yeah. Footballers aren't that loyal generally. Exactly. Because understandably, they want to get the yeah. money they can while they're still yeah. in a career.
0: We, we, we may and because
1: have... clubs aren't that loyal generally either. No,
0: that's right. We, so... we may have a certain budget to work with. Maybe we can't afford to sign more in now and sign a striker that we want or a right back or whatever, or a central midfielder which are the other debated uh, positions we need to I fill I wouldn't sign
1: central midfielder I don't see any reason yeah. to, Well, yeah, we've got we, plenty of options there we need
0: there. to sign this one don't we <laughs>
1: yeah exactly okay. I, think, I think if it's an option of signing a central midfielder and Moy it would be no question, a striker. And why? I understand the issue. I can see where hmm. where the people are coming from. But I mean, surely if it's like gonna, we're going to do it in the summer anyway, what difference yeah. does it make?
0: It's a gamble, isn't it? And we'd be paying more in the summer. Yeah, so.
1: potentially. So I don't understand the diff. The, yeah. I, I think if we're going to spend it in the summer anyway, what's the difference? Yeah. yeah. Surely we can afford to sign in this season, and we just lose a bit more this season and less next season.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy with that. Anyway, moving on. So next on the agenda, what I wanted to talk about was existing players, um, the players we've already got in the squad from pre-summer, um, how they've improved under Potter or otherwise, because of course uh, that's not necessarily a one-way street, is it? Um, so, well, uh, we've, we've touched on a couple of elements, but what's your take on, on the old players already in the team and how they've done so far under Potter? I think it's a massive mix, I'd say, mm, personally. Yeah. Um,
1: I'd say there's a few, like Proper, I think it's developed quite a lot. Yeah. Um I think he's in I think he's been allowed a lot more freedom. So he and I I understand there's people who like criticize him for certain games and he has bad games. Yeah. As any crazy midfielder who's gonna play for Brighton does as compared to playing for Liverpool. Yeah. But I think he's he's you know, given a lot more choice. I think montoya has been given a lot more freedom. We've seen a lot more yeah. of him. Yeah. Generally. Um has been his solid normal self and he's he's had a bit more freedom to get forward, which is quite nice. So he's like played a few more a couple of his through, through balls this season have been brilliant for goal at Watford and the goal against, um, there's one other goal as well, which I can't remember, can't remember played, that, yeah. he, he got an assist for as well. Hmm. Um, which, I, yeah, I can't remember at the moment. Um, so he's been brilliant, I'd say. Um, there's one or two, I think Duffy's not really, yeah, benefit from possible because of his yeah. passing is never going to be up to that sort of standard. Yeah. Um, there's a few who've been out injured, so Bernardo and Basuma, for example, who I thought would really benefit from, from Graham Potter, given what I'd heard about him developing young players, um, have both been injured quite a lot, but both hopefully have shown in the last few weeks, even allowing for Basuma's slightly poor performance at the weekend, I would say have, allowed, have shown themselves to be potentially ones who would benefit longer term. Mm, yeah, Stevens. I thought, actually had a really good start this the season and was, was brilliant. But the last month or so had maybe dropped a bit.
0: It seems to have dropped, doesn't it? I mean, he seems to have lost his mojo. I don't yeah. know if he's fallen out with anybody or whether he's just just, just losing his way a bit. But, I mean, for, I, wasn't at, I wasn't at the game on Saturday, the, the Wednesday cup match. But by all accounts, he was dreadful. I, he, I would
1: say along with Bong, he was probably he, the worst player on Saturday. And they yes. looked like they,
0: they weren't interested. Yeah. Is that right?
1: It did, yeah, mm. to, a, to a degree. I think probably that wasn't the case. I think probably it was just a very different team that didn't really play together. And Wednesday and mm. had that as well, but they just adapted better to it and looked maybe, maybe they had a bit more interest in it. But I'm not sure it wasn't that we weren't interested, it was just that they maybe had a bit more motivation.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I'm trying to think who else, is, who else there is. It's like, Johannesburg obviously has benefited short term, whether he'll be, yeah. he benefits long term. Yeah, it's Who been a, it's been a
0: long-term project, Jack yeah. not it? I mean, I've I've been absolutely delighted with how he's done in the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's been a long-term thing for him to assimilate himself into the Premier League, to to get comfortable with it, which he essentially hasn't been at all at any point yeah. until the last couple of weeks. Um, he's been training well by all accounts. He's a really nice guy. Which is why we
1: kept him on the summer, isn't it? Because I mean, yeah. and Knockout obviously went, and, and you look at and and then Dane, Gone, and, so, and yeah, so but, it's but
0: I, he's, yeah, he's a, he's a true true pro. He's had the right attitude. By all accounts, Potter's put a lot of invested time into him to try and build up his confidence, no, no doubt whatever else involved in getting him up to standard. And he's now looking in fleeting early glances like the player that we've heard about from Holland. I know it's an easier league, Holland, compared with here, but I think it's always going to take a bit of time as well. But he looks like a player that... He's he's very much a confidence player and he looks like someone that could but Notion, could be a part of the future. Nationally,
1: for example, Belgium's an easier league than here, but obviously mm. Ryan and his and Iskier yeah. when he was fit that yeah. second half of that season looks yeah. look really good generally, you know. So, like, so you can just because of Ho- proper was in Holland and obviously done yeah. really well for us yeah. And has barely missed a game other than that one sending off. I think he had a couple, one spell out injured last season. Yeah. He's barely missed a game for us. So. Yeah,
0: I mean it's different strokes for different folks, isn't it? But I he,
1: think in, in terms of players who lost out this season, maybe Grosh and Murray might be yeah. two of the ones. Just gonna bring that yeah. up, yeah. yeah. Murray obviously massively, but even Grosh as well. Mm. Although you still see got his record in terms of assists this season and chances it created, it's still brilliant. I mean he he still kind of creates a lot of chances.
0: He's still a fantasy league darling, isn't he? Yeah. I'm loving your pronunciation of Grosh as well. You're getting the pro I'm I'm guessing that's the proper pronunciation. I'm not, I've, Sounds about right. I think so, it? so. Yeah, grush. We've got the spelling as well, haven't Gross. we? That weird S <laughs> thing. <Yeah. laughs> but Murray, yeah, it looks like Murray's sell by date has gone in terms of.
1: Yeah, he's, I, mean, I think we'd be mad to. There's rumours today of Newcastle and Villa being interested. I think we'd be mad to let him go to either of those. Yeah. As much as I want him to, you know, I think we should let him go and I think we should let him go on his terms. I don't think we should let him go to Premier League team on his terms. No. Celtic, if that's reportedly true, I'm <clears> happy. <throat> Forest yeah. or another championship team, fine, no issue with mm-hmm. that. I, I would not let him go to Newcastle or Villa because he's the sort of player who would come back to haunt us. Yeah, that's right. I right. certainly wouldn't let him go to Villa before the, whatever we, we played him in January. Exactly.
0: Well, 100%, we don't want that. Um, moving on to a couple of other things I wanted to talk about. Um, before we have a quick break and buy some beers and pause our um, iPod stuff here, um, just um, wanted to mention about um, the other elements of our squad this season which is tied in with the under-23s and below. Uh, We've got a number of players out on loan, serious numbers, and um, we'll talk about it in later podcasts in more detail, so we won't go into the the details of it. But how are you feeling about that? Because we've got Alexis um, McAllister, who by all accounts is pulling up trees in a higher-profile club in Argentina to the one he was with last season, Boca Juniors. Um, We've got Malumbi apparently doing very well at Millwall. Um, It goes without saying that Ben White is having a fantastic season at Leeds, And Leeds, fingers off. You're not having him. He's staying with us. Um, And Liverpool, apparently, as well. all Liverpool, yeah. (laughs) But we've we've got a number of players who are basically going out on loan to higher profile scenarios than we've been used to in even very recent seasons. They seem to be doing okay. I think Clark's had a bit of a mixed spell and some injuries at Derby. But we've we've got a sizable number of people on loan overall. As I said, we'll go into it later in more detail. But... What's your view on what I'm, I'm calling the Chelsea policy? Mm. We've got about thirty people on though. That's yeah, crazy, it's, isn't it? I think it.
1: It's interesting because it's like you kind of think the obvious development is Ben White because he's obviously gone from Newport to Peterborough to Leeds and he's done you know well at all three of them, and yeah. then it, hopefully next year will be moving up to us. And it's but incremental, then, you, isn't but it, then so. you, yeah. you look at then Alzate. Hmm he was at Swindon last year (laughs) had a decent half season got injured and he's straight into the team Connolly similarly only went to Luton last season had a few games but not much didn't really do anything um, because of he had an injury and then kind of came and didn't really, I think he scored like one or two goals, but not like much, yeah. again, it's come straight in. So you kind of think there's a development of lone players and yeah. and obviously Ben White seems to have worked his way up and I assume will mm. be in the squad next year unless they literally get an offer they can't refuse from Liverpool mm. or not from Leeds. There's no way to, to Leeds
0: yeah. for all their I kind mean, of like... There's, there's different pathways by design or necessity yeah. or, or just by chance and you, you get players that possibly could have come into the t- squad and... And ended up being a story and made a name. Ben White could have played for us, for example, and he might have done really well. Other players like Alzate may have gone on loan forced, and not even done that well, yeah, and forced know. into kind of that like situation you, you where, and yeah.
1: he, you yeah. know, comes in and plays across. Every position, almost.
0: Yeah. but it's it's great. I mean, I know my, my dad
1: and I were talking the other day about how we could maybe play it the last game of the season. I was last in goal, the first half, and up front <laughs> the second, just yeah. so we could play every position. You tick, know. tick tick tick. <laughs> yeah, just so you could like get, tick them all off. Yeah, because he's. I mean, he's played like right back, left back, mm. central midfield, right wing back, yeah. attacking midfield. I think he's literally played across the part, and he doesn't look. He may not have a great game, but he looks a he looks a yeah. confident player. Like Everything single vision, does he? He, he doesn't, like doesn't look face. bothered at
0: any point. Yeah. He looks like a. I mean, I, I think this is the this is the key. Ultimately, when all said and done, technical qualities aside, it comes down to mentality and mm. temperament. And if you've if you've got that kind of temperament, where you can just quite nonchalantly step into a team, yeah. uh, he's been played in different and roles, this, as you said. And this is and why all that,
1: I think of all reasons that Potter was brought in because yeah. Hewton, for all his Bob well, you Ponio, know, good good plans, good way, way he worked for a long time. He did not play any sort of young any young players. Hmm. He didn't really develop any young players. I think it was like there was some stat that he only played like was it like Hunt at Burton for like twenty minutes and Tilly at Middlesbrough like the end of the season for like two minutes yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And That's that was a all what he gesture, played. Isn't it? Yeah. And that was the only reason that he ever played any youngster. Whereas Posse has already got Connolly, and yeah. you know, and the other one we, we don't mention it because he's in the squad, but actually it's De Baluta as well. Yeah. At some point, you mentioned it will yeah. will come through because he obviously played for Romania already yeah, and that I've, sort of
0: thing. And I'm I'm a bit of a football yeah. geek in terms of the amount of stuff I watch, and I have seen a few 23s, games, under twenty ones, all that sort of thing. Um, including internationals, so I've seen him play for Romania in the twenty ones, I think it was, or the under 19s Oh, I the well,
1: the um, European Championship yeah. in the summer and when he beat England. Yeah, didn't yeah. I, yeah. And
0: they, they, he looks a good player.
1: He looks. And the uh, other one who I thought looked really good when he came on the one game I saw him against West Brom last year is Chokarez who obviously is doing quite well at Saint Pauli now as well. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've got him there. We've got Ostergaard there. Yeah. Um, we've got you know we've got players all over mm. Europe as well. It's oh. not just in a championship. Yeah. The interesting one maybe Malumbi because where does he go? Because there's a lot yeah. of options in that midfield that we've got now unless of course Stevens goes in which case maybe he's the option that comes in yeah. and kind of comes into the squad instead of him well, which is you know, a know I mean, interesting one I've got a
0: sneaking feeling that we might see a change in the Stevens to somebody else's regime I think there might be a change over there in the course of time over the next year or so We'll see how it goes. I think he's not the player,
1: even a month ago, he was probably yeah. enough, even under even under Possible, he was the player who was the, the mm. anchor of that midfield. Yeah. They've not really got a direct replacement in my mind, yeah. but he's still not played the last two league yeah. games. And it's, you know, whether they'll start with that midfield of Moy, Basuma and um, Proper, and that mm. doesn't really have an anchor man in them. No, no that's but right. But they've still start with that last two games. And at Palace. I
0: think it's dynamic enough. We'll get into more analytical detail on later podcasts, but in general, I think that more dynamic, forceful and thrusty midfield how much does that need an anchor man if they're, if they 're forceful enough? They dictate the play yeah. of you know, the press. And, and obviously else. at
1: Palace, they did dictate the play. Yeah. And at home to Bournemouth, less yeah. so against Chelsea, but they still managed yeah. to
0: maybe recover. Maybe you pick your moments. Yeah. But I think that's certainly... Well, against
1: Chelsea, obviously, they, turned, they changed it around quite at half-time and they yeah. moved players around. And even even during the game, yeah. while there was the same players on there, we still yeah. changed it around.
0: But you and I have both both been, shall we say, um, sticking up for Stevens. I think he, he gets he gets the boo-boys on his... Back sometimes I think people talk about this sideways and backwards passing, yeah. and that's to do with options. But he, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you um, look at his
1: ball to Malpay against yeah, Wolves, yeah. and his balls to Knockout against Palace, Palace last yeah, year, yeah. You, you can see he's got the ability. So and at the start of the season, I think he wasn't doing that. Hmm. He's maybe lost a bit of confidence now, and he's maybe yeah. had a couple of a slightly iffy games in December, yeah. and maybe dropped for the team. And that's possibly why he yeah. lost his way a bit the weekend.
0: But I do think he's still got a part to play, certainly. He this definitely season. has, yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. And he's you know, let's not forget that he cost again another one, he cost like a million pounds, or not even that. I think, yeah. And has done an amazing job for us. Mm. You know, whatever you might think about, you know, whether he's right now, that season that we went up, our record without Stevens compared to our record yeah. with him was yeah. completely different. Mm. And he was a, a massive part of that promotion team. Yeah. And you know, I don't understand how anyone can attack any player who is part of the promotion team. Yeah. In a... terms of, you can be critical in terms of like saying, well, maybe he's not up to it now. But in terms of the abuse that they get. You know, people have a very short memories in football, and it always annoys me a lot. Actually, to be honest, some of the abuse that players get. No, you know, Bong had a really poor game. We had seen a really poor game that weekend, but the abuse Bong got when he went off, and the abuse that they both got afterwards. On you know, you'd think they'd never had a good game for us.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think we have to. Football fans are very fickle. Oh, and we're we're as bad as any, aren't we? To be honest, not us two, but some of the others. Oh yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think (laughs)
1: generally, I mean, I I will get carried away in a game, but I would never boo a player when he's been taken off, like or the abuse that, that um, Bond yeah. got while he went off.
0: I'm aware this has the potential to be a disappointment in terms of podcast terms, but I think we're quite like-minded in a lot of our sensibilities in terms Sorry, of... Sorry, we can bring on guests who are like kind of a bit
1: more uh <laughs> We'll definitely critical, will we? yeah. Yeah.
0: get them more contentious, because uh, I think... Start argument with them. We're both quite conservative in the sense of um, we'll give people time, we want to see how things develop over time, we don't want to be yeah. knee-jerkers... Um, we, we don't want to be polemic in terms of our opinions. Um, we, we give people a chance, but ultimately, with the Houston scenario and with other scenarios, you know, the, when the moment's right, we'll, yeah. we'll call it. Exactly.
1: And I have a very strong view that you shouldn't boo players unless there are examples like Leon Knight at the end, for example, yeah. or Kazim Richards when they clearly weren't trying. Yeah. And that's where I think you, it's, you're justified in booing a player or having a go at them because they're being paid a ridiculous amount of money. Even at that level, they were paid a huge amount of money, more than anyone else was who was watching them. And yeah. probably more than most of the other players as well. And yeah. yet they were they couldn't give a shit and they were like kind of like being really lazy and just not bothered and wanting to get a move and then trying to force their way out. Yeah. And I also appreciate that some of our players did that as well. Duffy, for example, I think allegedly at Blackburn, down tools near the end, yeah. you know. And there are players who we have who we kind of want, who we all like back and yet will not, will have done the same thing. So I'm I aware that, you know, football yeah. is very much polarised in that sense. Mm. But from my point of view, the players like Leon Knight, the players like Cassian Richards, who really just didn't care at the end and didn't put the effort in, yeah. that's where, you, you know, you should be booing. Not a player who gives it all and has a terrible game, in a way, if a player's terrible all the time, you should be blaming the manager for playing them. Yeah. Not blaming the, yeah. the player for being terrible because if they've been terrible the last five games, why would they not be terrible for this game?
0: Well, quite so. Quite so. Well, Peter, we're going to wrap up this section of the podcast. Press the pause button and get some food and drinks again now. Afterwards, we're going to talk about... Um, your highlights of this season, and looking at the decades in view as well. Seeing as we seem to have just said goodbye to the twenty tens, do we call it? I don't know if there's an official name. No, not something sure like that. Is. And um, and look ahead to what's coming up as look well. Ahead to the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, absolutely, the right, these are <laughs> going to be the Roaring Twenties. Okay, so we'll have a quick break, and we'll see you in a second. Right. So yeah, just moving on then on the subjects. So we've talked about the season in some detail, but highlights of the season. Peter, for you, what is it so far?
1: There's been a few, I'd say. It's like Watford away, I would, I would say, was quite yeah. high up on the list because first game of the season, first game under Potter, see yeah. how he does, never know. We were so abject at Watford last season when we lost 2-0 their opening day and we, were, we didn't really turn up. Hmm. And to see us destroy them, basically, I mean, I know they've been pretty dreadful generally hmm. until Pearson came in, but... Early subs. Us, early subs Yeah, well. early subs that yeah. both, all, both made a difference... Yeah. Um, at that point, you thought Andoni maybe going on a really good season, but obviously mm. not quite transpired that way from my point of view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he it, it, we worked really well. It was really fl- interesting to see us not just sit back on a one 0 lead. The one time we did look under pressure, you say it was an early sub to try and make a difference. Mm. And it followed on to West Ham as well, where I thought we were brilliant. We just couldn't finish our chances on that game. Yeah, um, we we deserved to win that three or four one. Annoyingly, if they'd had Roberto in goal that game, we'd have won about five 0 oh, I think probably. He's been fantastic yeah. ever since, hasn't but he? Fabianski <laughs> was obviously on a form that day and then got injured. And if we had, if they'd had Roberto on on that game, yeah. we probably would have. Hmm. We'd have probably smashed them. He probably let in some goals that one, even off target. Yeah. So, uh, but then after a bit of a bit of a lull, then Tottenham home obviously is a massive high. Three nil there. Connolly being so being brilliant, but also Moy controlling that took that midfield and
0: well, they, they weren't bad, were they? <laughs>
1: um, a bit of a freak first goal. It was yeah, my. It's right. the only game I've taken my fiance to it so far, mm. and it was a, certainly a good one to choose. And we were both sitting there in the second minute, going like, "What on earth happened there?" When the
0: well, Maurice t- was in the
1: goal and <laughs> picking first
0: games, which of course is all at random, uh, for fiancés, family members, whatever, is a tricky task. I brought my nephew to a board draw at the Amex and it really was a board draw. He's not been back since. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, he's done well there. In fairness, he's not been back since either. But <laughs> she
1: says yeah. that she might come again another season. It's not like she will never come again. Oh, that's the so, difference. <laughs> but she's got a 100 records so far. Yeah. So, 3-0 win against... Uh, yeah. ...on the big, she, big
0: six. So. She should retire. She's, yeah. She'll have as good a record as anyone. Or the maybe one?
1: she'll continue to win 3-0 <laughs> against big six teams. <laughs> and, and then, obviously, the win at Arsenal. Coming from mm-hmm. North London and oh, yeah. being at school with a lot of Arsenal fans win against Arsenal the first season with a huge high as well. So you didn't ram that down
0: anyone's throats
1: at all. I actually was very good because I think oh, yeah? I, I've know I know enough. <laughs> I, a lot of them I don't know anyway now, and, and uh, to be honest, a lot of um, times I've seen Albion then go and get stuffed by someone next game or mm. the next time we played and whatever. So I was I was very good, but I thought we were we were excellent that night, and Arsenal were dreadful. And that was what was focused on largely, but. Yeah. We, to play away in the first half and then to recover from the early in the second half yeah. and Arsenal being all over mm-hmm. us for 10-15 minutes to then turn it round that we were a better team for the last exactly. half hour and deserve to win
0: exactly I mean well we mentioned earlier that Sam I moved to London I'm also in North London, as you know. Enfield, to be precise. So, there's a lot of Tottenham and Arsenal fans around there. So, I've, I've taken great joy in both those results as well. It's not the long-term historical abuse that you've probably suffered as an Albion fan. But nonetheless, I know tons of Arsenal fans and a, and a few Spurs fans. And uh, both of them were fantastically enjoyable experiences from that point of view. I met up with some Arsenal fans before the game, who I know. And um, they, were, uh, they, they were cautious in their... Uh, shall we say, they're bravado, they weren't being too uh, braggy, shall we say. But um, nonetheless, they didn't show up afterwards for a few beers, apart from one or two of them. Funny that. Yeah, funny. <laughs> but Spurs, I've got one guy in particular who's an absolute nightmare. He's constantly telling us, oh, we're going to do this and that. Russ, watch out for Kane, watch out for Son, watch out for Ericsson, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, well, you're telling us what we already know. Um, you're going to beat us, so what? If you don't beat us, we're going to slam it in your face. And it took three or four games, but finally, I've thrown it back in his face. I've quite enjoyed that. And with that. The stuffing as well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Shame he couldn't have done the double. For
1: all the Kane uh, son talk, yeah. undone by a 19-year-old from Ireland Absolutely. who no one had barely heard of before that game, didn't And did,
0: really? hasn't scored any other Premier League goals, yeah. But um, there we go. But, um, I mean, yeah, four-two four, on aggregates as well, I hasten to add. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, those are certainly amongst the highlights for me as well. Um, I think that's one thing we've got to mention uh, from very recently, a certain Iranian gentleman who's done rather well, shall we say, in the last two full games yeah. uh, than uh, yeah. he has <laughs> in the, the whole of the other 18 months. Um, I've got to say, from my personal point of view, I've been willing him to do well. Any new players, you want, you know it's going to take time to settle in. You knew it would take a bit of time. and when, Once they get there, great. And he just never seemed to have got there. He seemed to be, as, as we said earlier in the podcast... Um, a, a really professional individual, really good-natured guy, kept his head down, carried on going against a lot of odds there. To be honest, once you get to 18 months in or so, and for him to have scored those goals, the emotion on his face, the fact he started a celebration which he quickly had to stop because he was he was crying. In in, in fact, in both occasions, um, it's a great human story. It's a great football story. The second goal, well, both goals were had me out of my seat. The second one I think my eyes were bulging out of my head um that's that's been great isn't it
1: it has yeah it'd be great to see one of the I think I said earlier in the in, in the cold cast it was uh it will be one of Potter's if not his biggest success if he turns around to given where he was and where he's yeah. been and what's happened in the last 18 months I mean I just I you can see sometimes it is though. The first six months, you couldn't, they, he didn't do an awful lot, but you could see the quality there, you could see the talent. But with the you he didn't look like he had the attributes sometimes. He didn't look like he had the pace or the quality or the confidence to take players on, to go past players. As a winger, you need. And I, he now seems to have that. Three games later, even, even coming out at the weekend, he made a difference, I thought. Yes, if Wednesday he looked like he wanted to actually go past players and beat players yeah. and do, make something happen and actually that had not happened most of the game from our mm. wide players or attackers that sort of thing yeah. So.
0: Yeah. and just finally in this section apologies if you heard anybody coming up serving food while we're having the podcast um, but uh, anyway final section for this before we have the food and have another pause is to talk about aspirations for the Albion for the rest of the season um, we've got just under half a season left Um, We've got the transfer window, and we'll talk about that in due course, no doubt, on further podcasts. But in terms of as we are, how do you see us doing? For me, I'm pretty much looking at uh, a position of top, shall we say, 13 or 14. That's where I'll be happy with. That's where I think we'll finish as well, maybe around 14th, 13th, 14th. Um, I wouldn't be too disappointed if it's lower but safe. What about you, Peter?
1: I think I'd still, if you offered me now 16th, 17th, take it, probably. It's going to be, I think it's very competitive Premier League this year. There a lot of teams taking points off each other and it might take a reasonable amount of points to stay up. And I think the key this season is staying up. With Potter, the way we play, he's changed the system. He's changed everything around. If I was offered 16th, 15th with a striker who came in in January who was starting to score a little bit in the season, I would probably take that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be a, okay. I think we've got the quality to be twelve, eleven, something like of that, even higher, even even top half, and have our higher position. That would be. Uh, we've got the quality to do it. Whether we've got the consistency to do it at the moment and the, the, the finishing, I, I would debate. Hmm. If they get one striker who just makes a huge difference, then they could do it. But I would say, I, if I was to be pushed, I'd say probably sixteenth, probably still this yeah. season would be our finish. Yeah. And I'd be happy with that. We've changed our style completely, which was a huge, a huge thing with mostly the same players. I, mean, it's, I know we signed four and we brought a couple in, a couple in from the youngsters, but hmm. largely this team is a team that Hewton had.
0: Yeah, and it's a big jump. And yeah. to change style within that framework... It's a bit it's a bit of a risk and it's certainly yeah. we um
1: We look at Palace under De Boer, and they like completely screwed yeah. it up and gave up after like a month or yeah. whatever. So
0: it's a del- delicate balance and it's it's often a big risk. So for us to have made the transition to be where we are now, steadily on course, um, it's difficult to see with the peaks of troughs where we're going. We're two there. points
1: behind where we are this time last season, but this time last season was our high point. Yeah. And also we Was so dreadful afterwards that I don't see us staying two points behind us for very long. No, that's right. So, you know, I think the fact that we're only two points behind at this turn of the year is pretty impressive considering. And in a way, being out of the cup takes away an excuse now. So, I've actually got more hope now we're out of the cup in a way because there's no way the cup. With the cup being midweek in the fifth round Mm. and having that could have caused issues later on. So, assuming that I'm hoping that other teams got a couple when when they should do and we don't have to worry about rearrange games, so that'll be a
0: really good thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm an advocate of a good cut run where we can, and even in seasons where you've got a lot to, to worry about, I think it sometimes can benefit you to have a good cut run. Um, in this particular season, I think it's probably good just to just to focus ourselves with this new manager in his first season and see where we go. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it didn't benefit us last season, definitely. No, no, so. exactly. And, and I agree with you, we're certainly not going to have as bad a second half of season as we did last, last time. Um, so we'll see where we go. Um, I'll, well, certainly I'll be happy if we survive in this division. I think we'll step on and we'll see where we go from there.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network